Welcome to Lunch and Learn. My name is Justin Furco. Um, I'm a spiritual companion, a professional chaplain, and a certified forest bathing guide. So that's some of the information on maybe why I would be speaking to Spiritual Care Advanced Directive. My business is Wild Spirit Paths, LLC. I'm based in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania on Haudenosaunee and Susquehannock land on the Susquehanna River, who I love to share. She's the older sibling of the Nile at 400 million years old. Um, so my website, www.wildspiritpaths.com, and I'll place a recording of this there and other Lunch and Learns as available. So thank you so much for attending today. I realize this topic may be one of those that just goes deep quickly. <laughs> um, a spiritual care advanced directive. It sounds like medical um, potential end of life planning, estate planning, and it can be. Um, and it's also because this conversation may, may be something you're, you've prepared for and it feels like I want to like I'm ready to do that reflection deeply, um, you're welcome to be there. And if it's something that's brand new to you, you're welcome to take this as an exploration of your own spiritual practices. So I'll lead us through a guided meditation that reflects three different approaches and helps maybe deepen your own internal reflection before we look at a sample of a spiritual care advanced directive. Um, in basic terms, a spiritual care advance directive would be a way of stating what your spiritual supports and practices are for family or loved ones. And it's not a medical or legal document, but it's a good way to do reflection now, to have conversations now, and to just put, put something in writing with um, your own existing documentation, whether that's asking your doctor to put it in your chart or putting it in a file folder somewhere with your important papers. So I welcome you to have maybe a piece of paper handy, a writing implement, if writing helps you in reflecting. And I'll, I'd love to lead us through a bit of guided imagery that will help us look at spiritual practice impermanence and um, death. And I'm using my forest therapy background and spiritual companioning background right now to lead us through this. I'm gonna light my candle as a sign that this conversation is sacred ground, that it's a place of maybe a veil between what you were doing before and what you will be thinking about to signal the start and of awareness of the preciousness of life. And I think that's what this is all about, the preciousness of life, the preciousness of connection to spirit, family, friends, loved ones, chosen family. I'll leave this candle burning between us, invite you to soften your gaze or close your eyes. And in between each meditation, I'll pause when you might like to open them and write something down.
So we're going to explore a beautiful wild place together. And we're on retreat, feeling a sense of spaciousness in the natural world, in our schedule, our time, that all that we need is taken care of in this moment. It's midwinter, the day is sunny, and you're wearing your favorite warm clothes and coat all bundled up for the season. Snow crunches underfoot, and we all gather together in a field. The golden haze stubble sticks through the light crust of snow. There's a general feeling of happy anticipation, a feeling of ease in our group. You have a light pack with you that has all you will need for the day of gentle walking in the woods. Together we move to an entrance gate. It's painted in your favorite color and engraved with flowers, vines, birds, symbols that are important to you. You look at the gate and you see a word in beautiful script written just for you. Maybe hold that word as a gift to carry with you onto the path. As a group, we head down the wide path into Evergreen Grove. The breeze brings the scent of pine resin. The pine needles are soft to the touch. Someone placed a wind chime in one of the trees. Its music is pleasing. You notice Adirondack chairs and rough-hewn benches around a central fire pit. You look up and see the opening in the trees where the sky is. Take a seat wherever you would like as your guide prepares the fire. You take off your light pack and extract what will help you engage in a practice that has great meaning for you. You have abundant time to engage in this practice. Take a moment to imagine yourself doing so. You ask yourself, how am I connecting in this moment? 
What am I receiving? Giving. What do I need? Check in with your body, how you're feeling in your body, if emotions are taking up residence in any place in your body. Notice spaces of freedom, maybe ease or relaxation, spaces of tightness or restriction. And as you notice, respond in a way that feels good, including movement, including writing or journaling, including returning to the practice. After a time, we move together down the path from Evergreen Grove. You can hear the faint sound of water flowing. We are approaching Sapphire Stream. It's a small creek bathed in sunlight. There's some ice along the shore that's beginning to melt under the warmth of the sun. The flow of the water pulls the ice along with it downstream. You crouch to look into the water. You see air bubbles clinging to stones and then releasing. Your child self invites you to play in the water maybe splashing your hand in it, skipping a stone across the stream, sending a twig downstream and running alongside to watch its progress. No matter what you do in your play, the water keeps flowing, flowing from its source deep in the mountains. You notice a path of stones leading from the bank to a smooth round boulder in the middle of the brook. You're feeling adventurous, so you make your way to that center boulder. There you sit and you experience the flow of the water in whatever way resonates with you. Maybe you turn and face the water as it flows toward you and around the boulder. Leave your back to it or turn and face each of the directions. Maybe in the midst of the flow of this water, you once again take off your pack and take out the practices that you find meaningful. 
and engage them here in the middle of all of this flow. And as you take stock of where you are and your practice in the middle of the creek, in the middle of this flow, you ask, how am I connecting in this moment? What am I giving, receiving, in need of? Maybe something different arises for you here in Sapphire Creek. And again, check in with your body, the emotions that are arising, where they're living in your body. Spaces of freedom and ease spaces of tightness. And respond however it feels best to you to take good care of you. And in a moment, we'll all gather for our last stop on this exploration in the wild on our retreat. As a group, we thank Sapphire Stream for this beauty, rest and reflection, for this invitation into the flowing and changing. We walk down the path together, moving through the woods, out into another field where white-tailed deer are grazing. You notice the beauty of these deer, this whole herd. There seems to be more and more the more your eyes adjust to seeing them in the moan field. The deer look up at our approach then return to graze and gently step along the frost. Soon that grassy path we're on parallels a highway crossing. On the side of the highway, you notice a white-tailed deer that did not make it across. And here you, you take care of yourself. Maybe you acknowledge the deer and move along down the trail. That's what you need at this time. 
to feel the sun on your face, crunch of snow underfoot, and that feeling of having briefly noticed deer. Maybe today you're in a place where it feels okay to take a moment to look more closely at deer and observe deer's body. Maybe you have a way that you would like to honor deer's life and death in this moment. Both ways and any way that you would like to be in this moment are wonderful. As you take your pack off and engage your practice, again, the same questions. How am I connecting in this moment at the highway crossing with deer? What am I giving, receiving, in need of? Maybe something different arises for you here than at Evergreen Grove or Sapphire Stream. Again, check in with your body where the emotions are arising, where you're feeling them take up residence. Maybe even who or what you're drawn to and who or what you're avoiding or not wanting to look at. And finally, as a group, we once again gather and walk down the trail. Circling back through Evergreen Grove. Maybe there's a place on this trip, this hike that you'd like to return to now or later and you're welcome to do so. But for now, we'll go through the gate, noticing once again the beautiful color of this gate, noticing that word that was written just for you on the gate, and seeing how that word and your experience connect.
as you return to your awareness of the space around you, the physical space, um, if there are things you'd like to write down to remember from the guided meditation, from this retreat, please take a moment to do so. I thank you for, for traveling with me. Um, right now, I'll share a little bit about the three paths, that the three places we visited on this guided meditation and move into the Spiritual Care Advanced Directive uh, paperwork. So that evergreen grove is the sense of naming what are your spiritual practices now and what might be, but is not yet a spiritual practice or area of need for support in your life. And here by spiritual practice, I just mean it super broad. Whatever is connecting to the divine, to God, your higher power, uh, to sense of your place in the world or life, mystery. Um, so that, that connecting piece, that the grounding, the support. Sapphires, um, let me pause for a moment. Part of the evergreen grove and practices, it's a very simple way to think about it. Three Ps. Um, this comes from like a cultural anthropology point of view on things. Um, you can look at trying to be as objective as possible looking at another culture, looking at someone else's spiritual practice. These three Ps, which are the products, the practices, and the perspectives. So products might be things like a candle, prayer beads, sacred texts. Practices might be the act of prayer, meditation, mantra recitation, the lighting and when candles are lit, for example. And perspectives would be like at the time of sickness, at the time of death, we engage these particular practices with these products because of teachings from a faith tradition, a cultural perspective on life, death, dying, and so on. So the, what are the products? What are the practices? And what are the perspectives? I find this helpful 
too, because often people um, may belong to a certain um, well-known like faith tradition, say Christianity, but as a chaplain, the spiritual practices that were most meaningful to this person, I couldn't have predicted based on what it said in their demographic. So it's that place of cultural humility and curiosity that the person before me is a mystery <laughs> and the way they connect to their higher power is something I want to find out and help them to do. And this is a place where spirituality and religion may align or they may be very different. Um, the teachings of a certain religion, uh, a person may not, may not follow all of them. Um, so it's really wonderful to ask like, well, what do you do in this case? The second place we visited in the guided meditation retreat was the Sapphire Stream. Sitting in the middle of water on a flat boulder, I was hoping to cultivate or invite you into that sense of impermanence of each moment, the flow of the, the changing of life. Pema Chodron talks about groundlessness because of change, right? Each moment is a birth and each moment is a death. It's never here again. And that sense of groundlessness, you might just say, oh, like, oh, or with excitement, like, oh, <laughs> like fireworks in the sky. Wow. And then they're gone. And then finally, the highway crossing. There's that sense, the impermanence of the life of beings like the white-tailed deer. Here in central Pennsylvania, dead white-tailed deer on the highway are so common in many places. And then the preciousness of the life of that animal, the life of human beings, and that death and life are part of the cycle, right? They're paired, they're not um, separated. Living beings do die. And I understand that this is potentially a triggering place, a difficult place, even saying death. Um, from my chaplain experience, you know, like even using the word dying, there are a lot of other ways to say it that may, people might feel are less emotionally charged. Um, I'm inspired by my one of my favorite authors, Stephen Jenkinson, who was a palliative care chaplain in Canada. His book is Die Wise. And he says that, you know, Western Euro descent culture is so death phobic, but there's a deep sacredness at acknowledging our own mortality. It, he said, it's like looking down at the square foot of holy ground that we stand upon. Again, so for me, that blooms into the sense of preciousness and wonder and, and the grief and all those things together, uh, but entwined. So 
So I'll, at this point, I'll share screen. And for those listening later, um, this document will be posted with the recording. Okay. Can you see the screen okay? Okay. So I want to give credit to a chaplain colleague of mine, uh, Kathy Lamo Jackson in Columbus, Ohio. She was a chaplain when I was in my internship and residency at Ohio State Wexner Medical Center, who talked with me about the concept of a spiritual care advanced directive. So people that might really want to have documentation like this would be people who um, belong to what in the U.S. would be maybe a minority religious or spiritual group, like Tibetan Buddhism, for example, um, or people who might call themselves spiritual but not religious and have practices that um, a family member, a chaplain, wouldn't be able to discern without them telling uh, them and then the importance then again is that these are practices that support people, they support us in our life and our sickness. And it can be important when somebody belongs to um, a religious or spiritual tradition that's not represented in their family unit, um, that they have a conversation, they use this reflection to have conversation with their family about what is their practice um, so that the family is aware. So anyway, I will share this with you after, but um, the little disclaimer here is the document should be used for reflection and planning purposes only. It creates no legal obligations on any person. Um, so it's simply in the Spiritual Care Advance Directive, you, know, you place your name, including what you like to be called. Maybe there is a spiritual name that you like to be called or have used, like a Dharma name, a refuge name. Um, my spiritual or religious affiliation, I just forewent trying to like put down as many religions as possible. That person will know how to um, complete that. You know, and there are multiple belongings, interspirituality, um, where you might be a Buddhist Christian, per se, or Sufi, um, Sufi, or what, whatever the combination might be. So including that there is sort of helpful. But later, we'll look at the three Ps, the products, practices, and perspectives in this document. If I'm hospitalized, or you could change this if I'm sick, however you'd like it worded, I'd like you to call and here, please list the name of that spiritual or religious leader. Maybe you have their phone number or they're reached by email. Maybe there's a local address of the temple, mosque, sangha, church. And then below, these practices are required by my spiritual or religious path, especially in times of illness. So sometimes, like out of uh, the Roman Catholic tradition, it would be anointing of the sick, a sacrament. Um, in Buddhist tradition, it might be the recitation of certain mantras. Um, if someone is 
dying, maybe there are other factors like which direction the bed is facing um, in the hospital room. Um, who should tend to me or not based on if there are issues of say purity codes that are part of their spiritual or religious path. My spiritual leader, um, place the name in the blank, can perform the above practices, or you could make that can perform these practices and list those there, like providing sacraments, providing um, mantra recitation. This part next is if hospitalized, I would like or would not like a hospital chaplain to visit me. Um, letting your family know that can be really important. If this were uploaded into your medical record, if they would allow that, um, then the hospital chaplain would be able to see, see this or the intake person could see it and know, okay, you've got your spiritual care person or this, the chaplain can contact your spiritual care provider for you. Following that are the three Ps, the practices, products, and perspectives. These practices are meaningful to me and would support me in my time of illness. Again, such as prayer, anointing, communion is another one, confession, mantra recitation, receiving a blessing pill, which is a Buddhist tradition, family visiting, um, listening to music, putting on my favorite channel like HGTV or Hallmark movies. So we can go into like what seems less like spiritual religious language, but are really meaningful, like having photos of my family in the room around me. The products or items that are important to my spiritual practice. So here, the spiritual religious things like beads and sacred texts, maybe there's certain clothing, like some Buddhist tradition, it's traveling clothes for people who are dying, they're dressed in those. Maybe it's um, wrapped in a prayer shawl. Maybe it, are, it is the photos of family um, and so on. It's unlimited here. The only limitation would be what would be permitted in a facility, like perhaps lit incense or lit candles would not be allowed, but um, battery operated ones would be. And the third P, these perspectives or principles are important to me. Here it might get into more detail about like what you would want in terms of medical interventions and that would go on your other documents for advanced care planning, medical power of attorney and so forth. But again, really important spiritual conversations to have with your, your loved ones. Um, other perspectives that are important could be um, if knowledge, like your view of what happens at death or after death is important. Um, for example, in Tibetan Buddhism, the practice would be perhaps not moving the body after death for a certain period of time because of the consciousness residing in it. 
um, the perspective there is bardo, the in-between state. So the perspectives would inform the practice. And finally, um, on this form anyway, I, have, I prefer that the following spiritual practices not be done for me or conducted at my bedside. For example, some people may prefer that the hospital chaplain does not come in and pray bedside. Um, this also comes from experience in my chaplaincy work with family requesting spiritual care interventions that there was no indication the patient um, had the same perspective or same practices. This was a request to baptize someone um, who at no point in the family's recollection had ever expressed that. So certain practices that you would not want done for you to honor your own um, your own spiritual path. Again, they may this is kind of unlimited, but that is one example of family and patient not being aligned in terms of what would be helpful for the patient, while that would allay some of the family's own concerns from their tradition view. So I'm gonna pause and ask if there are any questions so far about the Spiritual Care Advance Directive or the experience of the meditation. You can feel free to unmute or to place your question in the chat. Justin, um, I appreciate this work very much, but I, I, my question, I guess, is, has there, have you or do you know people who have taken the opportunity to sit down with their physician to have this conversation before a time in the hospital where sometimes these documents are read and oftentimes are not? I don't know of anyone who's done this with the physician. Um, my experience had been as a palliative care chaplain with the palliative care physician, sometimes with the, the attending um, and the family, and often with the patient present having conversations like this. This is kind of the assessment I would be doing um, in the moment of the palliative care consult. So. That's one place. Um, I think that this is a really vital conversation that could be had with um, one's own pastor, spiritual leader, with a spiritual director or spiritual companion um, as a way of thinking through and reflecting before there is stress. Um, and then these perspectives on care, if they would impact medical interventions, say blood transfusions, or concerns like at time of death about um, not moving the body because of the transference of consciousness, those would be great to bring up with your physician to see how you could get that put in your medical record in a way that would be like flagged um, in the event that that's 
you know, whenever that would be needed. Okay, thank you. So you're really talking about doing a, a spiritual care assessment with your, probably your, your spiritual guide, whoever that might be. Um, right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. There is a document called Five Wishes. Are you familiar with that, Justin? No, I'm not. I'll have okay. to look it up. Yeah, so it's it's actually a booklet, and um, it goes through. I I don't have it memorized, but my physician hands them out um, so that you do think about these things, um, what you want to happen uh, in in case of your demise or illness or whatever. Um, and again, I haven't looked at it for a long time. I haven't filled mine out either. Um, at some point I will. But um, yes, I, I, there's there's some parallels here. So five wishes. Thank you. I'll note that and see how it corresponds. And in a follow-up, I'll see if there's a web link I can send to five wishes as well. I appreciate this having been kind of aware, like at times, you know, funeral directors and other folks can give out documents that help people think through. And they, depending on where you are, will often do, you know, they'll come into your Sunday school class or they'll come into something, you know, to say, you know, these are the things you need to think through. But the more more of logistics, right, than the broader perspective and, and um, so I, I, I do appreciate this. It's very, very helpful. You're welcome. I'm glad. And it's one of those things you might not be ready to fill out a form, mm -hmm. but maybe journaling about mm -hmm. is the way that you engage it. Or you leave it and you pick it up in like a couple of years and you're like, oh, yeah, this feels like the right time. Or this is the right person to talk about it with. Okay, so it there is a link online. Um, I don't know. Can you see that? Five wishes. Is it like fivewishes.com or something? Uh, I just I just googled five wishes. Okay. And then it shows that. Um, anyway, the, the other thing that I wanted to say was I really enjoyed the the guided uh, practice, the imagery. I mean, I was in two different places, the cabin and the lake that I grew up with in my childhood and French Creek State Park where I have taken many, many walks in the streams. I mean, it was just nature is my way of really connecting um, spiritually. So it, it was a great meditation. It was a great direction. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. French Creek State Park in Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's we had a Cub Scout camp out there when I was in third grade. Yeah, I know that. Oh cool. Creek. Yeah, it's about it's only 20 minutes away from me, so it's quite handy. Nice. Well, so the speed, guide, go ahead. The guided meditation, is that something that you've you've created on your own then? Is that um, can can you upload that too just to sure. Just yeah, like I created it. Yeah, because I just when you start talking about the third piece, like the highway crossing, I'm like, um, okay. 
I sort of remember that. I must have been somewhere else. You know, I was really happy in the Sapphire Stream. I guess I didn't want to cross Sapphire. But, <laughs> but that piece of, you know, what each one was kind of, you were visioning it, representing. Um, that was, again, very well done, very well done. Yeah, so I, I can send that along. And I, I love that you wanted to be there with the mm -hmm. stream. That's from like spiritual companioning and forest bathing, like mm -hmm. being where you want to be and really acknowledging and entering that space. It's great. <laughs> well, I wanted to, to say, and we'll end the recording in a moment, um, the February Lunch and Learn talks that I'm going to present on February 14th is the Pleasures of Presence, uh, which is a forest bathing Shinrin-yoko practice of engaging with your senses, all seven plus. Um, and so I'll teach you, I'll lead you through that and kind of give you some principles if you'd like to be able to guide yourself or others through it. And then on the 28th, um, wonder and greening energy are the themes uh, wonder which for me is a connecting point with nature and greening energy which comes from hildegard of bingen's veriditas like a word for holy spirit but that greening energy of life that's in all things um, so we'll invite hildegard and her thought and we'll invite rachel carson she wrote a book called wonder and a little bit of their thought and some of my own and your experience into the space to share. And then if you enjoy the lunch and learns, um, please let other people know. And then in my email, I have a buy me a coffee if you want to send a tip to support uh, the time involved to prepare these. And I thank you so much for being here. Um, and I'll stop the recording at this point and we can address any other questions.